you chose uh, somewhat inadvertently. We had a survey. Your survey responses dictate uh, this series. And so when we asked you, where do you want the most help in the relationships that matter the most to you? Uh, Survey says communication, conflict, and grace and forgiveness. And so far we've looked at communication, which was the number one response, and then conflict last week. And this week we're turning our attention to grace and forgiveness. I want to reaffirm for you why we're looking at relationships. Our mission as a church is the same or should be the same as as every part of the body of Christ throughout the world. Uh, We want to help reach people who don't yet know him equip people who already do to follow him and experience that kingdom. The way we word that here is that we want to love Christ and we want to love our community. Well, how are we doing that specifically in this season of Lebanon Christian Church? We want to be an outpost of hope. And one of those ways we want to be that outpost of hope is helping people find health in their relationships. We know, just as you know, that how healthy your relationships are often color the way you see the world. If you have significant relationships in your life that are fractured, that are broken, where there's a lot of desperation, there's a lot of uncertainty, there's a lot of sorrow, then chances are you see the world a little differently than those whose relationships are great and vibrant and, 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 and nothing could go wrong. Uh, we know that relationships can't always go right, but relationships help color the way we see the world. We know that God cares about us. We know that a relational God who exists in that mystery of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, is a relational God who made us in his image for relationships. Uh, he looked out at mankind, and after he'd made all the animals, and, and Adam exercises authority by naming the animals, he looks out and he says, it's not good For man to be alone. He he knows that we need relationship with other people. And so how can we have the healthiest relationships? Uh, And part of that is extending grace and forgiveness. No long-term relationship happens without grace and forgiveness. Grace and forgiveness are the key to reconciliation that leads to a long relationship that you know can bring great life to your life. Why why, why grace and forgiveness? Why is that so important? Why why, why do you desire to know how to do that so much? It's because we all hurt, right? the, The song that kept coming to my mind, and this dates me, I know, so if you are 30 years of age and younger, you have absolutely no clue what I'm going to be talking about for the next five seconds. But here's what you do know. You know how to use Google, and you know how to YouTube, so you can figure this out, preferably not right now. Um, but, but R.E.M., a great alternative band in the 90s, had a song, Everybody Hurts. Uh, the reason why we need grace and forgiveness is because everybody hurts. We all have been hurt. And I'm not saying we've all been hurt in the same ways, to the same degree, but we all have been hurt. We all have been wounded in relationships. We've been lied to. We've been betrayed. Uh, someone's broken up with us. Uh, someone has bullied us. Uh, someone has, has, has victimized us, maybe as a part of a crime. We've all been hurt. We've been hurt by people that are close to us. Those trusted family members and those friends who we thought would never do what they did. And we've been hurt by them. We've been hurt by people who share a close proximity with us. Maybe you wouldn't say we have a close relationship with them, but we work with them. Maybe we recreate with them. Maybe we go to school with them. And and we've been bullied. We've been made fun of. Uh, We've been um, unfairly uh, attacked. 
We, we've been hurt by people we don't even know. I would venture to say that those of you that commute to work each day, you were probably cut off in traffic by an aggressive driver who had no clue for the rules of the road this week. You were hurt, right? Uh, You were victimized by that person who saw three miles back that the lane ended and they chose to wait to the last five feet to get over and they expected that you would move out of their way because they're more important than you. The great American way, right? But it goes deeper than that. You you have had people... um, Uh, you know, take things from you. Uh, Maybe you've had people steal from you. Uh, Some of you in our our room have been scammed. I've had conversations with you and someone called and they acted like they had your best interests at heart and they were talking about things that matter a lot to you. Maybe it was your family. Maybe it was your retirement. Maybe it was your tax return or social security and, and, and they took advantage of you. Some of you in the room have had your, your identity stolen. You're a victim of identity theft. We have all been hurt. And here's what happens. Every time someone does something that hurts us, we're going to use a financial picture, uh, they, they take from us and a debt is incurred. They now owe us something. And, and the bigger that hurt, the deeper that wound, the, the bigger the debt that's accrued and the bigger the hole that's left. And, and then they better repay that, right? We've all been hurt. And there are really two choices when those deep wounds come, when those, when those people let us down, when those people betray us and, and that debt is, is accrued. We can choose to, um, that person maybe chooses to come and pay it back. But what do we know about that? It's never quite enough, is it? What's the nature of debt? When you in, incur it, there's interest, right? But when you take out a loan on a car or on a home, you know the terms of that loan, uh, you know what that interest is going to be. Is it going to be 1.9%? Is it going to be 4.6%? Whatever it's going to be. When, when someone wounds us and they, and they incur a debt towards you, they'll never know your terms. And so they may pay you back. They may make things right, but you'll have accrued some interest and they'll never be able to make up for it. So really that's not much of an option. The only other option is that we choose to release that debt. And we choose to let go. We choose to say, you hurt me, you wounded me, but I'm no longer going to harbor that and hold that against you. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness is the only way to reconciliation. And I know you care about it because you answered pretty overwhelmingly that you want to know how to extend grace and forgiveness in the relationships that matter most to you. So where do we go for that? You probably already know this answer. We can go to his word. Uh, We use the phrase frequently that someone wrote the book on something. Well, well, God literally (laughs) wrote the book on forgiveness. And it's really not fair to to call the Bible a book, I don't think. We we call it a bestseller. It's the number one selling book of all time. It was one of the first books ever printed. But it really isn't a book if you know much about um, the Bible is it's a collection, a collection of history books, a collection of wisdom sayings, a collection of prophecies, a collection of writings, a collection of accounts of people's lives like Jesus. But there's something very special about those writings and those books and those stories is that they were inspired by God. And so these 66 things that make up what we call a book, which again is unfair, tells this story of forgiveness. 
the story of a debt that was incurred by humanity to its creator and how God went about canceling that debt, that debt of sin, and releasing us from it so we could live as though um, that had not happened and live in a way we could not otherwise live. It's a story on forgiveness. And because God wrote the book on forgiveness, he can show us how to forgive ourselves. Why do we link grace and forgiveness? You know that in the New Testament, when the word forgiveness occurs, there are two primary words used in the original language that get translated into English. The one that Paul uses the most is this word charizomai. Um, you can see it spelled in Greek on the screen. You can, you can see it for yourself. I highlighted the first part of that word because the first part of that word is charis. Charis is grace. At the very heart, literally, of forgiveness is grace. What is grace? Grace, most simply defined, is unearned favor. Maybe you've heard it defined unmerited favor or undeserved favor. At its core, forgiveness is offering something that isn't deserved. And if you like to take notes, here's the first thing I want you to write down is that forgiveness will never be deserved. If you and I are going to work towards forgiveness in our relationships, those relationships that matter the most to us, you have to get to the place where you can say, you know what, they're never going to deserve it. It's never going to happen. By its very nature, forgiveness is an act of grace. We give someone something that isn't deserved. It's unmerited. I remember being in scouting for a few years. I did Cub Scouts when I was a, a young child, and, and, and there were things that we could earn. I, I could go out, and I could help my dad on the car and earn a specific badge, and, and I could go out, and I could help start a fire, and I could earn. By doing work, I could earn that badge. I could earn that reward. That's, that's not what grace is. I can't do anything to earn it. It's almost as though if I was a scout, someone just said, hey, here you go. Here's your campfire badge. Well, I didn't do anything. Yep, here you go. It's absurd to think about when it comes to scouting, but not when it comes to life. That's what God has done for us. He gives us what is not deserved. And that's what forgiveness is at its core. It's something that someone will never deserve. It's unearned. It's unmerited. It's undeserved favor. Forgiveness is dependent upon grace. So how do we know what that looks like? Well, the ultimate example of forgiveness is Jesus. I want to show you a couple places where Paul uses this word, uh, karitsomai. If you have your Bibles, find uh, Colossians chapter 3. A letter that the great missionary, the great follower, the apostle Paul wrote to these believers. He writes to them about their relationships with each other. And in Colossians 3.13, he uses this word forgive a couple of different times. He says to them, bear with each other, uh, which quite literally means put up with each other. Uh, Sometimes that's what a relationship feels like, right? I'm just going to put up with you uh, for a while longer. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance, something has been done to you, there is a hurt, there is a wound, there is a sorrow, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. So we think about 
forgiveness in relationships, we have to first understand that it's something that will never be deserved. But that God in Christ is the ultimate example for us. He sets the standard for what forgiveness is and, and what it looks like. This mirrors language that, that, that Paul will use in the letter to the Ephesians. In Ephesians 4.32, he says to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. See, the standard is God and what he's done. So if we're going to learn how to forgive, if it's something that's undeserved, then let's look at that example that, that, that Jesus set. What does that forgiveness look like? And for that, I want to go to Luke chapter 23. As you find that, I kind of want to set the stage. This is the final hours of Jesus' life. Uh, Jesus is hanging on a cross. He is flanked on either side by two criminals. There are soldiers who callously barter for his clothes near his feet. Religious leaders, um, men who are supposed to model compassion and godliness and righteousness, uh, stand by some close, some at a distance, and they find joy in the cruelty of the cross. There's a crowd. Uh, some spit. Some hurl insults at him. The same crowd, by the way, that just a few days earlier were, 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 raving, were waving palm branches and welcoming him with great joy into the city. His, his mom, uh, close friends, a couple of his disciples, uh, they're there watching all this unfold. And Jesus in incredible agony. Early, early church fathers uh, from the time after Jesus and the years following would write of crucifixion uh, in terms that describe it as it's the worst form of execution ever imagined by uh, mankind. And it probably could stand up to that test even today. And so through great anguish, nearly suffocating on the cross, Jesus musters the strength to look out and to say these words. Luke 23, 34. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. He calls out to God and he says, God, show them favor. God, give them grace. Give them what they don't deserve. They've done all of this to me because they don't understand what it is that they are doing. Show them that favor. Give them that grace. Forgive them. That is incredible. Think about the expanse of that forgiveness. Here is a man suffering and before you decide to play the, 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 the God card and say, yeah, but, but, but Jesus was God, remember the words of Philippians chapter 2, that he let go of the advantages of being divine. In that moment, on the cross, Jesus is using no power that also isn't available to you and I. We'll get to that in a little bit. When he was baptized by John, the Spirit of God descended upon him. The Spirit of God lived inside of him. Yes, he has God's Spirit at work in him. And if you are a follower of Jesus, you do too. 
and there in great agony, no supernatural strength apart from the spirit inside of him, he, he forgives. He grants what isn't deserved. All these people are taken from him. They're incurring debts left and right. Physically, they're beating him. Emotionally, they're abusing him. Spiritually, we know that he's carrying the weight of the darkness of all of humanity's sin, past, present, future in that moment. And yet he extends grace. He forgives. Does this broaden the expanse a little bit? Not only is he doing it even as he suffers like none of us can imagine, but he grants forgiveness even while those who have hurt him continue to hurt him. Forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. They're actively making withdrawals. They're continuing to spit at him and jeer him and mock him. And he continues to forgive debt after debt after debt. And he releases that. He forgives that debt. When you think about your relationships, forgiveness will never be deserved. And Jesus establishes the standard that we can let go of debts that are incurred even as we suffer even as people still continue to hurt us. He's the example. It's possible to forgive. But only as we're aware of the depths of God's forgiveness for us and as we're empowered by his spirit. When, when, when Jesus speaks about forgiveness, and he does on a number of occasions, uh, one of them is in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, we were here last week looking at conflict and relationships and when someone sins against us, how we go to them in private. If they won't hear us, if they won't listen to us, if we can't restore the relationship that way, then we take one or two other people with us. And if that doesn't work, then we bring them before a larger group. We are looking through that. Well, following this discourse on how to handle people who sin against you, people that hurt you, Peter kind of raises his hand and, and asks the question, oh, well, okay, Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive the one who sins against me? And Peter even offers up a really generous response. We, we know from rabbinic writings we found that it was common in Jesus' day for rabbis to say that you forgive someone three times and then no more. So here's Peter, who's probably been taught that at some point. I forgive three times, then no more. But he's walked with Jesus, so his whole perspective has been transformed, right? So Peter thinks he's being really generous. Uh, how about seven times, Jesus? Like, I'll double what everybody else says, okay? Because I know you raise the ante. Like, like, like you, you make it even more. And I'm even going to add one to that. Like, like, I know seven times. That's incredible, right? But what's Jesus' response? No, Peter. Not, not seven times. But 77 times, or maybe your translation says 70 times 7. Whether it's 77 or 490, that's not the point. Jesus is using a teaching method we still use called hyperbole. He's exaggerating. He's telling Peter, seven times? How about way more than that? How about an unlimited amount of times? You want to know how often you forgive is you forgive every single time. There's no limit. You find a way to cancel that debt, to release that debt. And then he goes on to tell a story. The story of the unmerciful servant. There's this wealthy man. Uh, he has someone who works for him. 
And that man has incurred all kinds of debt. In fact, when you do the math with the numbers that are maybe in the footnotes of your Bible, we're talking about more debt that could be repaid. Uh, it couldn't be repaid in a lifetime. It's more debt than could be repaid in a lifetime. He calls him in. He says, you need to settle up. You need to pay me what you owe me. And the man's like, that would be impossible. Have mercy on me. And that wealthy landover says, okay, I'm going to cancel your debt. More than could be repaid in a lifetime. It's gone. It's released. If you know the story, you know that that man then goes out, the one that had been forgiven of his debt. And he goes and he finds one that owes him something that's manageable. Still, still big, but nothing in comparison with what the landowner had done for him. And he shakes him down. He demands that he pays him what he has taken. Well, word gets back to the wealthy landowner. He realizes that this man has not truly come to comprehend the depths of the grace that was extended to him. And so he ends up charging him and he ends up throwing him in jail. Why? Because that man did not understand the depths of the forgiveness extended to him. It is possible to forgive other people. Remember, this is all in response to Peter's question. But we can only forgive to the extent we understand the depths of God's own grace extended to us. For those who believe that they've been forgiven of little, we'll only forgive a little bit. But if we can come to grasp how much God has forgiven us for, the depths of his grace for us, that should lend itself to, to seeing other people and their offenses in a whole new way. Forgiveness will never be deserved. It will never be deserved. Christ is our example of forgiveness. But forgiveness is possible as we appreciate the forgiveness that God has supplied to us. If you really want a first step in how to forgive that loved one in your life, start here. Rest. Um, allow yourself to kind of marinate in the magnitude of God's grace towards you. How do you do that? Some of you may need to make a list. You may need to pause long enough to think back on the ways that you have compromised God's best for you, for other people, the wounds you've extended to other people. Maybe some of you need to journal about all the ways that God has forgiven you until you recognize what God has done for you. Like all of our wrongdoing, all of our sin taken away through the loving gift of Jesus Christ, wiped away. Our, our relationship with our creator restored a chance to live an eternal life that begins today and is perfected when he comes again. We need to rest and let that just soak in. We had this beast feast yesterday, and the, they, they prepared the meat on uh, Friday night so that it could, or Thursday night, so that it could rest, so that, that all, the, all, the, all the seasonings and stuff could, could soak in and flavor that meat. And it changes the flavor. When we are able to rest and say, God, how much have you really done for me? How much have you really forgiven me of? How many debts have you really canceled? It's like allowing his grace to just marinate in and change you. And then when you're changed, you now have the ability to see other people's wrongdoings through a totally different light, a totally different lens. 
but it will come through his power. Yes, it's possible as you look at his forgiveness and and his grace, and as that transforms you, you can then offer that to other people, but it's still not going to be easy. It can be simple to understand and still be hard to do. And so it comes through his power. I want to go back to Jesus on the cross for a minute. I told you, he he didn't play a God card. He, He didn't have anything that is not available to you and I. The Spirit of God lived in him as it can live in you. We, we, we saw the result of transformation that's taken place in, in Richard's life this week and in Chloe's life last week. There's a testimony in life after life in this room of people who have chosen to believe and trust in what God has done for them. They, they've embraced his forgiveness. And when they do that, when we, when, we, when we choose to surrender to God in faith, when we repent of our sin and we turn to him as we're baptizing him, his spirit fills us. And now we have the helper, God's agent inside of us that can help us forgive in ways we never thought we could forgive. And if you've been growing in Christ for, for any length of season, chances are as you are just overwhelmed with the magnitude of his mercy towards you, you've seen yourself be able to extend forgiveness a little more freely. It doesn't make it easy, but God's Spirit helps us. Maybe this is why when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray in Matthew chapter 6, not only did he draw them to his greatness, our Father who is in heaven, how great is your name. Not only did he draw them to pursue his will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Not only did he call them to, to trust in his provision, give us this day our daily bread, but what else did he call them to pray? Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our debts as we've forgiven our debtors. God calls them to ponder his great forgiveness and how that should affect their relationships. And Jesus takes it to a whole other level after that. He talks about the measure with which we're forgiven by God reflects how we've forgiven other people. So if you're tracking along, uh, forgiveness will never be deserved. Uh, Jesus is our example. Uh, It's possible through the power of his spirit and only as we appreciate the magnitude of the forgiveness he's given to us. But don't miss this one. It's essential. It's essential. Uh, Matthew 18.35 It's the end of that story that Jesus tells. Here are these sobering words. Uh, I imagine the disciples' jaws have maybe dropped to the floor like, oh man, this is hard. And Jesus says this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. If you're going to experience the types of relationships that God wants for you, it's essential that we learn to forgive. And so if you're not able to forgive right now, that's where you start backing up. Um, Does the Spirit of God reside in you? Have you appreciated the magnitude of his forgiveness for you? If, if, If you haven't, then that's where you start. Some of you have yet to align your lives with this God who made you. This God, and he alone is the one you can find your purpose in. And it starts with you choosing to boldly and courageously say, God, I will not do it on my own anymore. I need you. 
And I'm going to change my life because I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to call it to you in faith and say, God, I believe. I'm going to turn from living life my way. I'm going to repent. You're going to be my king. I'm going to confess. And I'm going to, in faith, be baptized into you. And your spirit's going to fill me. If that's you, take your first step today. We are available every week, myself, some of our leaders, usually even my wife, to begin this conversation with you. If you don't want to do it in front of people, you can come forward at the end of our service to do that when our closing song is over. Or fill out your connection card, send an email, talk to the person who invited you, and start that journey. You will never be able to forgive the way God has forgiven until his spirit lives inside of you and you appreciate the magnitude of, of that gift from him. Understand that it is undeserved. They're never going to be able to earn it. And so follow his example. A couple, couple final things on forgiveness. Uh, one is forgiveness does not mean forgetting. When God forgives us, is he able to forget and our sins are far as the east is from the west? Yep. And he's God. Um, you don't have to forget to forgive. Chances are the more egregious, the more difficult that hurt, uh, the more likely you're going to remember that and carry that with you. Here's what I will say, though, is don't underestimate the power of God to help you forget. There are times as we grow in maturity that people wound us deeply. And in, in, in the first ministry I was a part of in North Carolina, uh, we had an elder who had basically deceived a lot of people. And he ended up being very mean and vindictive. And uh, there was a lot of hurt, not just for me, but a lot of people in that church. Um, I think of uh, Paul talking about wolves that sneak in. And, and this man hurt us deeply. And I thought there would be a day where I would never be able to enter into an elders meeting or have a conversation with people in the church where I didn't remember what happened to me. But I will tell you, as I have released that man from what he did to me and to our church, that there are months that go by that I never even think of him. That's the power of God. I'm not saying that'll be your story, but, but don't underestimate his power for that to be possible. There's a story that Tony Evans tells of a bell. And he equates forgiveness to the ringing of a bell. If you if imagine a, a huge uh, bell tower at a cathedral and, and people hold that heavy rope and they use all the, the power they can muster to ring that bell, what happens when they let go of that rope? It still rings a little bit. And that's how it is for a lot of us when we forgive. Forgiveness is letting go of the rope. I'm not going to hold on to this anymore, but depending upon the offense, it may still ring a little bit but we're called to let go of that rope. And, and here's what I found, the greatest offenses towards me, sometimes um, I find that in this moment, I can forgive that person, I can let go of that, and a few hours later, I'm trying to take it back, and so I forgive again, and then I forgive again, and I forgive again, and suddenly it's only every week I'm forgiving, and then suddenly it's every month, and then it's every couple of years, and then I don't have to worry about it anymore. But, the, but I just keep forgiving, I just keep letting go. That can be your experience. Here, here's another thing I would share, is that, Forgiving and letting go, the reconciliation and the restoration that follows does not mean that you have to permit yourself to be hurt in the exact same ways again. It means that you can pray God's best over that person. Here's what I'd encourage you to invite in some godly counsel, whether that's professional, uh, godly mental health 
uh, therapists and, and, and people that run counseling centers, psychologists, psychiatrists, certified marriage and family therapists. Maybe, maybe godly Christian counsel is what you need in that regard. Maybe it's just inviting someone who you know is a dedicated follower of Jesus to come and to speak in uh, to your life. And they can help you navigate what that next season looks like even as you forgive. If you want health in your relationships, we have to start moving to being a people of grace who extend what is not deserved because of all that God has done for us. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness. God, thank you for your hope. God, give us the power through your spirit. Give us the hope through understanding the magnitude of what you've done for us and all of humanity to choose to be a people who walk by grace and extend forgiveness and see the beautiful reconciliation that follows. And it's in your name we pray and trust. In the name of Jesus, amen.